A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome back to the Overlap in Focus. And in this part, we're going to be looking at ownership of football clubs and starting with the big story at the moment at Manchester United. So, Laurie, what is going on? Yes, lots is going on, Jamie. Um, clearly, the Glazers have put the club up for sale as part of their yeah, look at strategic investment opportunities. Um, and I think everyone had the perception that it would be sold. Uh, they had two bids come in on the deadline, uh, one from Sheikh Yassim, who is connected to the Qatari um, state, uh, one from Sir Jim Ratcliffe, who owns Ineos, and he was going to do it through that company. Um, and as the days have gone on since that point, when I think it felt like it was you know, coming to a, a crucial moment, um, the idea is that the Glazers, or specifically Joel and Avram, um, their reluctance to sell that was always there, I think, has kind of become more of a, an issue. Uh, and yeah, we've seen the share price drop, which I think is an indication that investors are looking at that situation thinking, actually, the money that we put in previously, is it going to be realised to the extent that we thought it was going to be? Because um, I think the, the bids that have been coming in from Sheikh Jassim and, and Sir Jim Ratcliffe aren't quite at the level that the Glazers, Joel and Avram, would want. Um, so at the moment, we're still waiting on them coming back to the, the bids uh, and sort of that potential negotiation practice coming in. Um, and obviously in the background, or not in the background, rather in the foreground, you had Avram Glazer turn up at Wembley, um, his first visit for a Manchester United match live since uh, the opening day of the season, which was at home to Brighton. Um, before that, it was the Newcastle game when Ronaldo made his second debut. So these are infrequent visits. Um, and it was really intriguing to see him position himself at this game um, you know, with an idea that he is still in some way emotionally invested in Manchester United. Um, yeah, what, what, what will investors, what will Sheikh Justin and Sir Jim Ratcliffe make of that? Do Gary, you, the, we, the market value, I just want to ask you a question yeah. on that, has, has dropped 1.2 billion in the last week. I mean, that's on the back of people fearing maybe that the Glazers are going to stay. How fearful are you and Manchester United fans about that right now? I, I, I think Manchester United fans are hugely fearful and I think to be fair if anybody was listening on Sunday there were huge renditions of we want Glazers out first half and second half um, I think it's absolutely not in doubt that Manchester United fans want a change of ownership I started to doubt it last week when they put the ticket prices up and I know I got a lot of replies and I read a lot of the replies from Manchester United fans saying well they're, they're running the business as usual and they've got to think about FFP which is a fa fair Fair play, you know, there has got to be increasing revenues to be able to make sure that Manchester United can invest more in players next season. But I just thought, if you're in the middle of a sale process, they've just appointed a head of, um, a, head of a director of operations, which is a senior position within the club. I thought that was a little bit strange because I thought, well, surely they'd wait and see whether, the, you know, if the sale's going to go through in the next month or two, let them sort of deal with that. Then you're putting up the prices for next season taking criticism that actually you're not going to even benefit from because they'll have sold the club by then. And this idea that putting the, putting the prices up will mean that Jim Ratcliffe or the Qataris or other US consortiums will pay more money is rubbish. They're already paying triple and quadruple the value that obviously the club is. I am concerned because I, Laurie, you know, hear the sort of, if you like, the rumours around that Joel and 
uh, Avi, two of the two of the brothers don't want to sell. There are other family members that do. And one of the routes that we were hearing pre-Christmas was that they were going to stay in and they were going to try and find... You mentioned two words before, Lauren. I know you've got your ear to the ground. They're probably a lot closer than I have. Strategic investment, which is something that FSG are mentioning at Liverpool. That means that ultimately you buy part of the family out, um, you leave Joel and Avi in, but what Joel and Avi will retain as part of that strategic investment is running in control of the club. That's a, that's a nightmare scenario. I would advise any investor who's coming in to take out a minority and leave Joel and Abby, and they're going to be very unpopular people and their brand will be damaged enormously because the fans are not going to accept it. Are you too happy with Qatari ownership of Manchester United? Um, personally, I don't want any state to own Manchester United. I don't believe we should, uh, any club, whether it's a Western state, Middle Eastern state, whatever, I don't think any state should own Manchester United. Um, so you'd rather the Glazers stay than the Qataris no, come in? Uh, I'd still want the Glazers to leave. Um, but what would but you I prefer? Don't, uh, it's a hard question because on one That's hand, because <laughs> on one hand you've got you've got people that are taking one and a half billion out in, in over a course of fifteen years, and on the other hand you'd have people that are putting it in. But I just never want to be linked to a state. You're then you're then you're then thrown into the mix with anything that state does, good or bad. But I'm realistic enough to know that my opinion meant very little when the Glazers took over, and my opinion means very little now. Ultimately, the club's going to be sold if it's sold to the highest bidder. And I'm eternally an optimist, so I'm kind of looking at this like, is this the Glazers kind of, you know, manipulating the negotiations and trying to crank more money up out of these people? Because it's clear... The Qataris want United. It's clear Ineos want United, but they're, they're, they're creating a negotiating point. If, if they don't sell now, it'll be carnage. It will. I can't imagine. <laughs> we've seen the protests over the last 15 years, 18 years since they took over. What we saw last season before the Liverpool game. If, if they go this far and tease us into thinking we're going to sell and all of a sudden, actually, we're staying. I, I don't think it is worth it for them. I, th I think you, you just, now pull you just mentioned process. that you weren't happy with... Qatari ownership is that a minority it's feel not Manchester Qatari United ownership, I'm not happy with. or a state I don't care ownership? What, I don't care what nationality. Okay, state owners. ownership, but do you feel you're in a minority with Manchester United fans, or is that a groundswell of opinion? In, I think you have two kind of divisions of fan base at the moment, and I think most clubs will. You have kind of like the online fan base where they're very vocal, and a lot of people don't care. They just want Mbappe and they want a new stadium and they want all these kind of things. And I kind of get it. Like if you're asking football fans to be you know, to comment on all these kind of political things is difficult. Most people just want to go and watch their football team on a Saturday or Sunday. I kind of get that. But um, I think a lot of fans within the ground would be a little bit apprehensive towards state ownership. And but, it, but it would be nothing like when the Glazers came in here in the green and gold no, no, campaign. No, I don't, I don't, I don't think like you'd see the same sort of backlash. I think the relief of them leaving will kind yeah. of probably be above and beyond anything else. Yeah. Is, is that something you want to bring the Newcastle fans in? You are obviously in that situation now. But what the lads have just mentioned there was that relief that Mike Ashley had gone mm. almost in some ways makes you forget about what your ownership is about, yeah. where it's from. Absolutely, yeah. Because for us, it was the release of Mike Ashley, the release of you know, no hope and no ambition was so great other than whoever was coming in. Listen, I didn't choose Mike Ashley to be in charge, didn't choose Saudi Arabia to come in. In an ideal world, we'd go back to the 90s when Shagan was there and Freddie Shepard, a local businessman, local fan, owned Newcastle and had the money injected. Now there's no way we can do that and compete at the top end of the Premier League without allowing the likes of a stay come in, unfortunately. But 
at the end of the day, the things they're doing for our club and our city, you know, as a fan, like Adam says, that's all we look for. The thing from games. a United perspective is, sorry, it's like, we don't need that. Do you know what I mean? Mm. We, we literally pumped a billion and a half into that family. Imagine that was put into the... We don't need that kind of sugar daddy to be pushing all the money into the club. Well, it's, I think that it's has more the conversation around it as well. Yeah. The Glazers' ownership has, as you've t touched on there, it's, it's, it's changed what United fans expect or, or think is, is necessary for United mm. to be successful. As Adam said, £1.5 through having the Glazers as owners, like, that would be a new stadium, no problem. Laurie, can we just go back to the bids? Because the two bids were made um, public were obviously Ineos and the Qatari bid. Mm. I can't believe that there aren't US consortiums have come in. And is it right that the banking uh, broker that's dealing with it, Rain, have had to warn the two bidders that have made their bids public to stay silent because it's confidential? And there actually probably are other US consortiums or US bids that are behind it or other bids from around the world. That there can't just be two bids for Manchester United. I, I mean, that's what we're told. You know, we, just two bids? We've, we've asked that question and, and we think, you know, maybe people are keeping their cards very close to the chest and as we touched on before the Leicester game, is there a benefit to staying silent for the time being because at the moment all the focus is on, you know, uh, Sheikh Jassim and Sir Jim Ratcliffe and actually, you know, there's a, there's a value to being kind of, you know, doing your, doing your work quietly. Um, but yeah, I think, I think the price... You look at, I mean, the FT came out with a piece on Sunday which valued the club at $1.6 billion, which okay, I think is on a pure business term. So it's like, you know, profit and loss. Um, you know, clearly the club is worth more than that, but six, seven billion, you know, there's only a small pool of people that can mm. afford that. And that, that, I, think that's a, I think it's a fair point. I think fans and football has lost the fight and the horse has bolted when it comes to who owns your football club now in the Premier League. You're so, gonna, so it, it obviously... It's got These two think that, you're obviously worried about the fact of I, state ownership, that doesn't bother you. No, I've gone through three stages in my sort of Glazer sort of era at Manchester United. The first one was, to be fair... You were all right when the they were captain playing, of yeah. them. No, <laughs> the, first, the, first, the first was when I was a player in my 20s, when I didn't understand, to be fair, a lot about finance and business. And to be fair, we were all under the very watchful eye of Sir Alex Ferguson and you didn't complain about ownership, you didn't complain about anything other than playing football. Not one employee in the club, all 500 of us, we got on with our jobs, that's what you did. And I was in my 20s, I don't sort of, it's not an excuse, it's just a fact of where I was in my life. Then I left Manchester United, um, I, did, I did an ambassadorial role with them for about three or four months. I didn't particularly like it that much, to be fair. And I started to understand a lot more about business. I saw that ultimately Sir Alex Ferguson had underpinned that um, obviously as the football project started to fail, it underpinned that sort of, if you like, ownership and sort of kept them, if you like, afloat for the previous eight to ten years. The last seven or eight years, it was when the Super League, I mean, the, the, the dividends, the debt, the lack of investment in the ground. I remember looking from my hotel over at the ground one day and thinking, and I remember saying it, the stadium's rusty, and it actually was rusty. The state, literally mm -hmm. the paint around the stadium was rusty, and I thought, that can't be right. You wouldn't do that to your own house. So I thought, they're not investing in the stadium. The stadium, to be fair, was travelling around the ground, seeing Tottenham, Arsenal, all these other brilliant stadiums that were emerging in Europe as well, the Allianz Arena, all these brilliant things that were happening in different countries. Lack of investment in the re regeneration, the community, everything was... And I thought, they're failing at football, they're failing the non-football side, and then the Super League came where they, to be fair, turned not only on their own stadium and their own fans, they had to turn on the whole of the rest of football as well and try and sell out. That was it. And I went then into my third phase, which was the fair when I started speaking up publicly. Previous in that second phase, though, I was a, my stance was when United fans would have a go at me, and a lot of fan, United fans had a go at me in that period, I would say, who is the alternative buyer? 
it's going to be Russia, it's going to be China, it's going to be the Middle East. They're your buyers for this football club, or it's going to be another US family or fund similar to the Glazers, which is leverage buyout and borrowing and private equity. Which one do you want? And no Manchester United, just like Adam's not been able to find the answer to that question, it's difficult. No, I'm, perfect. Do you know who no, Smith no, is? Pardon? Do you know of Sydney Smith? No, I don't. Right, no. he's a English philosopher, political writer from the 1800s. He said, the worst thing you can do in a situation where you can only do a little bit is to do nothing. And we talk about how the horse has bolted or how we've reached this point of absolutely no return and whatnot. I don't think that's true. And Adam says he's an optimist. And the point of optimism isn't to say, oh, you know, the glass over there is half empty. The point is there to go, eh, we could probably change what vessel that is, is to think of better ways we can live our lives and then to go and chase them. And we've seen it multiple times where football fans, when they do group together and they do go, actually, we're not going to do this, football fans can change things. The Super League and the failing of the Super League was football fans all going, no, I actually, no, 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 no. And the, the only, you know, all the people that jumped in the dirty dozen... But the Manchester United fans haven't been able to do that with the Glazers. They've tried. <coughs> and well, that's they've the tried, thing. but they haven't been able to do that. But they've tried, and they've kept trying, and they've kept trying. And, kept trying. and again, there's that old... No, but Carl, my point is that... Who is who do you want? Who do you? I'll ask you the question. Right, you're a United fan. No, no, who do you want? I no, 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 no. Who do you want? The Glazer family to own the club? Do you want a Chinese uh, ownership, Russian ownership, or Middle Eastern ownership? I rebuke all of these because I genuinely <laughs> think. I, I rebuke. There is no but other option though. Yes, but they are. There always is. No, but Carl, always You're living in a dream world, Carl. You really are. Gary, Gary, you who's said. got five billion pounds? No businessman or woman in this country. Has got you need about 25 30 billion. You need four billion, you need four billion to start this conversation. No, Five no, you don't. To get the no, you don't. No, you don't. That's naivety. You don't put your whole cash pot into yeah. a football club, of course, because your business you've got to be worth 25 billion, 30 billion, 50 billion, 100 billion to afford five billion just for a football club, which is a bit, bit of a play toy, really. Of course, for them. we're seeing this with so Jim Ratcliffe. Who's got, who's got in this country? No, but even Jim Ratcliffe can only buy 69 percent, mm. he's got debt still on the club, even he's stretching himself, and he's the richest man in the country. Yep. Who in this country can afford to buy Manchester United and do what you say? No, honestly, no one can afford to. No, that the only thing that we can rely A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. ...is the controls that are put in place to control owners. We can't control who sells one I, private I business to another. The only Sorry. thing you can rely on. I think the, well, Giving control truly, to the government over football is a What you should rely upon is yourself and other people. Right. Community, right? And Cal, do you think that you, do you honestly believe you can control the glazer selling process in the next two months? Have any impact on it whatsoever? <laughs> no. Right, but okay. That, I feel the that, same. That should never stop you from saying 
what you believe in and if you disagree with something. Again, just because you're going to do a little bit doesn't mean you should do nothing. But, so when, some, when you ask okay. me a question like this, if I rebuke that reality that you're trying to give me, I should be allowed to rebuke that reality. I will say... If quite, I believe Manchester United... I'll say quite openly, the thing I, I wish every Manchester football club in this country was owned by local business people or fans. I wish that was the absolute case. I'll say it. Then we'll keep doing this. Right. I believe we that We can't too. do it. Yes, you, never yes, you can. You are Why would land. you do this for three years if you don't believe it can be done? Do what for three years? Why would you talk about independent regulation if you don't believe it can be done? Right, Why now, would you say the thing, what, all the what, things what you think, say well, let's take one step if at you time. don't believe so it can what's be done? So what's achievable? We can potentially affect and impact the governance of football, which means it puts controls and sustainability measures and make, keeps us as a competitive pyramid, right, through an independent regulator who's got the best interests of the game at heart. Then let's get that put, put in place first. If that then happens, it could then be that the independent regulator that says every football club has to have an element of fan ownership, maybe 15, 20% to start with, and every owner has to put up a seat on the board and 15, 20% of their value of their club. It may be that it couldn't be afforded by a lot of fans, but at least you could put it up. But that's five, ten... So you do believe in the better world? I do, but how am I going to so get there? So why are you telling me not to accept? Why are you telling me about that's reality no, about a world? No, but I've got a plan to get there. What I'm saying is what you're saying at this moment in time is that you feel like you can impact the next two months. You can't. It's, it's going to end up in the hands of people who pay the most money. But there's no reason why we shouldn't be against... Like, it doesn't mean we just go... Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Manchester United are big enough to He's not saying oh, that you can't say that you're, not, that you're not against it. You can say as much as you want, but in... Retrospect, it's not going to affect much because. Of course not. I'm still. As you said, the key word is much. It's not going to. It can affect a little, and therefore you should do what you can. It's not going to affect much because if the Glazers want to sell, they'll sell it. Is the bottom? That is the very bottom line. If they don't, they don't. Ultimately, we should always have an opinion. I think one of these things that stopped, funny enough, from your book is like about when you first went to football, and it's like I don't care who's in the director's box, who's in the manager's box, who's even in the shirts. I'm just there to be a football fan and support this club, and ultimately. Our clubs have got us by the balls and all these guys and all that. It's do you, like, we're still going to come. With Man United and state ownership then, do you think that fan element and the whatever happens, if, if, if we are owned by Sheikh Yassim, who's got links to the Qatari state, you know, where, where his money's coming from, and then United have success and they spend a lot of money, does that change your enjoyment of that? Because for me, growing up, Sir Alex Ferguson, it felt organic. I know United spent money in, in transfer windows, but it felt like there was hard work there, and, and then it like, not, not Do you think Manchester United and Liverpool, and I'll say that, as seen as the, the, the two sort of maybe biggest clubs in the country and haven't gone down that road as of yet, do you think it is different and those two clubs are treated differently and should be treated differently in, in the eyes of what you're talking about? I mean, it should be the same for all clubs, right? I mean, Newcastle have got an incredible fan base. We saw that at Wembley on, on Sunday. Um, I do think there's a difference from what the fans would want because when um, Abu Dhabi took over Man City, they hadn't won the league for, for several, several years. So it was almost like this is our opportunity to you know, punch. And the same with Newcastle. Same with Newcastle. Yeah, yeah. With United, it's, it's different because they should, as Adam said, be able to compete <coughs> on their own merit. They get, they've got so many fans all over the world and they, they make enough revenue to compete. Um, and, and I mean, that touches on a little bit, I think, what Carl is getting at and, and what, what you would obviously like, ultimately, fan, fan, some kind of fan ownership. And they, they looked at this back in 2010, the Red Knights, you know. I mean, it was difficult because, you know, you've got like, I mean, it was, I, the idea was that you'd have sort of 17, 18, very wealthy people, each putting in, you know, 20, 30 million and you could come together. And, and, but it was, it was too, it, that was too tough for them. They couldn't, they couldn't do it. Jim and they, they looked for an anchor investment as well. Because he's someone that Possibly, at least yeah. reportedly was a Man United fan as a child, is from the local area-ish. So if you're talking about fan ownership, like you said, you can get 17, 18 people and that's not 
really fan ownership in terms of everyone who's a fan but gets a piece. Even then you hear about the debt and stuff. And I know well, that's true, yeah. billion dollar businesses work on different levels to what I know, but when I hear about that debt, I just think, well, oh, that's, that's what here puts, we go that, again. That's what has put fans off hmm. Sir Jim Ratcliffe <coughs> because the Glazers have now made debt such a toxic issue um, rightly so, you know, the, the fact that they've just left it there on the club from their leverage buyout, which should never have been allowed to happen. Um, but it's like you, anyone that is coming at this with debt is, is instantly discounted. When, I mean, how many companies like this are taken over without debt? It's, it's yeah. a, a rarity. Carl, you said you'd rebuke it if, if they come <laughs> in, but I mean, it, it, how far would you go with that? If you're, you're a Manchester United fan, would you say, you know, I can't enjoy the success that comes? Would, I know you've got to go to the, the game for, for your job, but how far would you go with it? It, I mean, it, it's different when you do it professionally, but yeah, I I would feel differently about Manchester United based on who comes in because be it state. Would own, you not be able to enjoy the success that come on the back of it? I think it puts, and forgive me, Newcastle fan. I think it puts a asterisk on things. Right? But, but hold on, the reason I disagree with that is I knew the Glazers were wrong. I protested the Glazer ownership. When I saw Gary Neville lifting trophies after that, but I still wasn't about it. Do you know what I mean? I still... Well, it's, I it's suppose you've got the... You've got the stuff in spite of the yeah, Glazers. Yeah. Yeah. So you can yeah. really celebrate that. When you look at Man City's titles over yeah. the last 10 years, every single one of them, every single City fan, every single football fan knows they wouldn't be doing any of this if it weren't for their... But you can't say that about United. United you can't United say that about United. We've only won two League Cups and, and an FA Cup in the last 10 years. But... All of those were won, despite the, the terrible job the owners are doing, not because they've got infinite money. No, but the point them. is, I think, with the new owners, would you think Part of me this means be, less? No, it, it doesn't mean I, less to me. Honestly, I, I hate I people there's sitting there saying, be, oh, I'm going to think, the I'm gonna think in, in, if we lift another Champions League, I'm going to be thinking, oh, I, I can't believe these owners. Honestly, I, I promise on my life, you will not care. Yeah. <laughs> like, literally 99% of fans will not care if the club is successful, right. if you buy buying players, every transfer window, spending loads of money. Uh, the majority of football fans, and it's not their fault because, I don't, as I've said before on, on this before, when you've asked me about the ownership, I don't think that football, your average football fan, should be a political vessel for ownership issues that they don't understand. But it just for the, in the grand scheme of things, you're not going to... If, if, if Eddie Howe lives the Premier League in five years... There's not going to be asterisks for me. Thinking, <laughs> there'll oh, be no asterisks for me. If I see Jamal LaSalle's if the Premier League... Is the desperate for Newcastle to win a trophy. It is very is, different. Is, does that make it different, do you feel, to Manchester United because of the situation you find themselves in? The situation Manchester City found themselves always in your shadow, not winning trophies. Is it different? That's why I mentioned Liverpool and Manchester United. Is, United does that make it different? without a Qatari owner or without a state owner. Whereas we need our help because yeah, yeah. we don't generate that revenue. Shea, you, you were at City when the uh, Abu Dhabi mm. ownership came in. How did you feel at the time? And what? what I mean, I, I remember there being a little bit of noise, but there wasn't massive noise because obviously you'd come out of. Is it Thinner Archer? Yes, Yes, at Thinner Archer. You had obviously a difficult Thailand. ownership Sorry. before that, obviously, Thailand. as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's financial fair play as well. When, when Whenever the Abu Dhabi people come into Manchester City, so it was, it was different. You know, we talk about Dan Ashworth and Newcastle, so he's got the financial fair play's come down heavy on all the top clubs. Was it different? Did it feel different? Not really as a player, no. You know, again, you were crossing the white line. You're focused on, on winning the games, trying to get up the league, trying to, you know, compete at the top table. Um, but you look at Man United and Liverpool, for example, I know I'm stocked against here, but they've spent hundreds and hundreds of millions over the last 10 years. I know City's gotten a bit of stick recently and they have to prove their innocence. Of course they do because there's so many uh, accusations against them and I'm sure they'll prove that, but time will tell. But at the same time, on the flip side, you know, Man United, Liverpool have spent massive amount of money as well on their squads as well. 
and you can say, yeah, the fan base around the world maybe is bigger than the Manchester City fan base. I don't know. I, I don't, you guys are more clear than me over the financial fair play thing. I don't really get my head around it. I thought it was brought in to protect clubs like a Leeds going to the wall or one as a derby as a coach, you know, the, the owner that was going to, it was, it was to do that. And I don't see the, the, the fault in the money going through the football pyramid or whatever you want to call it. If Liverpool buy a player or Man United or Newcastle, then it, it filters through the game. I thought it was brought in to protect the clubs from going to the wall, and that's 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 my understanding. But then, as you say, if the Qataris come in and buy Man United and blow all the other people away, then I, I know there's not a fair no, they, they, there's not a fair run. There has to be a cost control put on yeah. clubs because you, then you would get a disparity, and it would then take away its competitive edge. That's where I think they prefer the game needs proper regulation sustainability measures, real-time financial monitoring. Clubs should be allowed to investigate up to the level of the top clubs. So Newcastle's owners, Brighton's owners should be able to invest up to the level so they can compete with Manchester United, with Arsenal, with Liverpool, with Manchester City, all the top revenue clubs. But you're right, I wouldn't feel right if all of a sudden we had an ownership that came in and we were spending a billion pounds every transfer market or 800 million every transfer market signing five best players in the world and we're winning the league every year. I wouldn't feel that. that that's not right. That's not protecting the pyramid. That's, that, that's destroying English football. So we do need cost controls in place. I just want to throw a question to you on ownership. And I said this to you before. I think you, I personally feel like you've got to watch what's going on at Liverpool because it's a little bit sort of, they were selling, but now they're not selling. Are Liverpool fans a little bit worried about FSG? I, and there I seems to be a little bit I of noise. There seems to be a little I, bit of noise about them at yeah. the moment. I, I, don't, I, think, I don't think Liverpool were ever selling. I think they said they were selling, didn't I they? I know, but when you actually look, I mean, listen, when, when people speak to the people right at the top, I don't think the idea was to ever was to sell. It was, if someone makes us a stupid offer, something, you know, blow us out the water, we'd probably sell. Probably something that you might do with your house. If someone offers, you know, a ridiculous amount of money, you'd sell. But I think they basically needed money for the summer because Jürgen Klopp's going to have to spend 250, 300 million in the summer. And that's why they're looking for people to come in with, with the money. But it is a worry for Liverpool if, if uh, Qatar ownership or state ownership comes into Manchester United. You have Newcastle, you have Chelsea right now. And Liverpool will be feared and that they will, will fall behind. But what Liverpool have always done with this ownership, and that's why I'm, I'm never critical of them, I always think, well, in an ideal world, you're Manchester City, where you've got great expertise and massive money. Manchester United have had huge money, no expertise. Liverpool have almost been the opposite, where they've had great expertise and not the revenues. And I, have, I always think I'd rather have the expertise than the huge revenues without the expertise. And I look at sort of Everton's situation compared to a Brighton. Liverpool over the last, say, five or six years compared to Manchester United. But an ideal world was I want owners at Liverpool who've got the money of United or Chelsea or Man City and their expertise. That's when no one can get near you. So what Liverpool ownership have done is what they said they would do from day one, where they haven't taken money out of the club, everything that's earned or brought in, and now it is a huge, it's a monster in terms I'm of the money that they bring in, goes right back into the I'm club. I'm surprised you feel as calm as you do about the fact that they said they were selling and then literally within two or three months they say now they're not selling. I, no, I'm that surprised. story went everywhere and then when people went to the top, it wasn't a case of we are selling. No one ever came out and said we are selling. They were 100% looking for... They were selling wanted investment. Well, it was. It, I mean, that's very similarly linked to United, isn't it? Because the idea was that Liverpool came out and said, "Okay, sale or another you know, round of investment uh, of some variety," and the Glazers thought we need to get on this because we're sort of looking that direction. We can't have Liverpool out there as the only club that are publicising this. Um, some people looked at what the Glazers did and thought that was actually desperate to kind of make it so public. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're, I think we are seeing that actually for all that happened with Chelsea, where I think the owners looked at that and thought, "Wow, we can get a lot of money here." That was a very specific situation that 
I, I think people are looking back at that thinking, hmm, did, did they overpay there? Right. So the last time I was here was after United beat like Arsenal and, and you, Gary, were talking about the, the infrastructure that the Glades had to pay for and you said you didn't think the fans would go for that and that something was going to happen and now we're several months later and the thing that happened was Manchester United may or may not be up for sale. And the thing I said then was you should never discount the most ridiculous or unexpected thing from happening. You know, it's the punch that you don't see that's the one that knocks you out. And the Elliot group are quiet for... They want to be quiet, but I think you're correct in saying they should always be worth looking at every now and again. Well, listen, a fascinating discussion about club ownership that I'm sure will rumble on for the next few months. But unfortunately, that is all we've got time for. I hope you've enjoyed our first overlap in focus at the shop bar. We've really enjoyed it. And thank you to our partners at Skybet. And I hope you can join us next time. Please subscribe. On Formative, middle school kids from New York City public schools interview a phenomenal collection of grown-ups. Me, like, I don't know what I want to do. You don't have to have all the answers. I feel like a lot of people's favorite topics are, like, interest in their life. That is a really good answer. The podcast where the leaders of today are interviewed by leaders of tomorrow. Listen now at newyorkedge.org slash formative or wherever you get your podcasts.